I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome guys to this week's episode of Heavy Metal Tones. Um, this episode is going to be about uh, my favourite post-punk band and one of the most important bands I reckon in modern music. Um, much uh, maligned, much, probably not on everyone's lips. Uh, those that know understand, um, those that don't hopefully at the end of this episode will have you reaching for your Spotify, um, play iTunes and whoever you use to get your music and jumping and having a listen. So as you would have seen by the title, it's uh, Killing Joke. Uh, now, just a little bit of background to how I got into them before we move into the actual band itself. I was hanging out with a band called uh, Ruptured Dog. Uh, in West London in the early 90s, so 91, I think. Uh, they were sort of the premier three-piece punk band was playing in around that part of town. They played with bands like the Scissor Men. They played on stage at the Marquee with guys from... Um, from oh, to all sorts of different bands. Like I think GBH played with them. 999 were on the same bill. Yeah, it was really interesting, really interesting band. So I hope you've got your tea. It's a, I'm recording tonight on a really wet and miserable Tuesday night. Normally I record on a Monday during the day, but I had to work. So it's at night time. I've had a couple of gins. I've got a nice hot tea. I've got my digestive biscuits. And here we go. So I was hanging around with Killing Joke. And... Um, uh, I was sort of just standing around drinking, and uh, this girlfriend, a girlfriend of a friend of mine, um, came up to me and said, Oh, you like punk? And I'm like, well, Of course, I'm at a punk gig. But anyway, uh, she said, Look, are you into Killing Joke? And I, I, at that time, had never really heard them. And she gave me this cassette, like a, a Max, uh, Max, Max or, or TDK blank that she'd recorded uh, a couple of albums on. And had written across it in Red Biro, Killing Joke, and gave it to me. 
And I thought, oh, whatever, you know, problem. Listen to the gig. At that time, you know, like I am now, I'm never separated from my Walkman. So I had my cassette Walkman with me. And on the way home, it was a long trip home. I lived in North London. So from that part of London to where I lived was a good hour and a half back. And it was late. So I was on the night bus and I'm listening to this Killing Joke cassette. And to say it changed me, like I say all the time, music changed me. It really did profoundly move me. Change me, maybe not, but move me, yes. I'd never heard anything so viscerally um, tribalistic and so um, wantonly um, aggressive as I had in this particular band. Now, the albums that she gave me were the first album, Killing Joke, the eponymous titled album, and So What the second album and uh not so what oh god i'm so sorry guys um i didn't mean so what i meant to say hang on i'll get back to that in a moment i again you could apologize it's it's late on a monday and i've had a couple of gins and and my brain has gone so much i have made notes let me just quickly look what's this for that's what i meant so what is by the Antinoa League. It was close. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, completely and utterly enamoured of their uh, three-piece band. Um, I then got to see them in 1994 at the Astoria, a gig that Killing Joke and I quote have said, the greatest gig of all time. Now, that's Kerrang!, and Kerrang have seen, you know, there are people in that magazine that have seen every band. Maidens, priests, you name it, they've been there. But they said that this gig was the greatest gig of all time. And you can get it on a live bootleg CD, um, like an official bootleg CD. Uh, and I highly recommend that you reach out and look for it. It's not on any streaming services I know of. Um, you can listen to it on YouTube, I think. And any of my followers there can put it on and go, hey, he was there. I was there. And the thing about Killing Joke Live is it's like being in a trance. It's so rhythmic and so um, tribalistic that you don't... It's not flowery, million-note guitar solos. It's just, you know, it's uh, as um, Geordie, the guitarist, says he plays in... You know, augmented fourths and sevenths. He's got a, you know, um, he has a bridge. Doesn't have, he? Doesn't have a, um, a, a tremolo, tremolo arm. He has a little, a floating kind of bridge where he pushes down on his palm as he's as he's um, playing the um, a lot of um, a lot of harmonics, and he gets this rhythmic growl, this staccato. That's just he is. There's only one man like him. Anyway. That's what seeing Killing Joke is live is like. I saw Killing Joke again in 2008 in Sydney, and I don't remember much. All I remember is it starting and me being in this complete trance. It's just motion and music. It's I don't I've never experienced anything like it before or after, and I never will again until I see them again. I really highly recommend if you get a chance to see them live. Do it. It's just 
outstanding. Um, now they formed in um, 1978. Uh, Big Paul Ferguson, his name is the drummer. Um, he is in a band called Matt Steger. He met Jazz Coleman, the lead singer, uh, in, who's from Cheltenham in Gloucestershire. They met in Notting Hill. It's where, in fact, side note, where I met my wife, um, or my, my now wife, I so. Um, and they met a um, Coleman, who's a gifted musician. Um, briefly played keyboards in Matt Steger, and they sort of went, well, oh, you know, fuck this, let's go and and join a make. It was the sort of punk movement time, so they were looking to find something a bit different. And um, they placed an advert in Melody Maker and other music papers. And guitarist Geordie Walker, who's from Newcastle, um, uh, he came and joined the band. And as I said, um, Kevin Walker is his real name. And then you, he joined, and then shortly after, um, bassist Youth, or Martin Glover, um, joined afterwards. And there was this, how do I say it? There was this sort of spate of, in the punk movement era, of amazing bass players. You know, J.J. Brunel, Martin Glover, Jar Wobble, um, you know, uh, um, Glenn Matlock. Great bass players seemed to come out of that movement and youth was one of them he was a good friend of Sid Vicious's in fact he was not a little side note when um, he was arrested once for taking a lot of illegal substances walking down the high road Kensington High Road burning five pound notes um, and when they arrested him he was he stunk and they took him into the prison and they burnt his white jacket now that white jacket was the one that Sid wears <clears throat> on the in the video for My Way, uh, and is on. Uh, and so you can imagine how distraught he was when that happened. Um, they were very close, and of course, even worse when, when Sid died. But they they defined this. They had this. They wanted to def- the, their ethos for the band was to define the exquisite beauty of the Atomic Age. In sound and form, that was their that was their rally cry. Um, they were they they named themselves Killing Joke. If any of you have seen or are lovers of Monty Python, um, you'll know that there was a sketch where uh, the English invent a joke so deadly that uh, that if it was spoken out loud, it would kill anyone that listened to it. And they use it in warfare, and they have to. It's, they have to each speak bits of it in different words because if you speak the whole sentence, they'll die. You can YouTube it again, guys, or if you're Monty Python fans, you can get it on Netflix and on and places like that. Um, brilliant! It can, it's perfect for the kind of music they're playing. In September '79, shortly before they released their debut EP, "Turn to Red," which is a dub-infused punk masterpiece. Um, with the record label, the graphic art with the graphic artist Michael Coles did the art for them. They released, they created their own label, Malicious Damage, um, with the label single Nervous System off the EP. Uh, so these are very forward-thinking people creating their own record labels. They soon then also went from that to different labels to to Ireland and and to EMG and and all these different labels. 
but they formed their own one using a sort of flick, uh, I said a mix of punk, funk and dub reggae and that dub comes from, I mean, those that understand music and understand the movement of the music in the 70, late 70s and the punk, it was heavily driven by dub. Their very first ever gig was on August the 4th, 1979 at Brockworth in Whitcomb Lodge, supporting the Ruts and the Selector. And that could not be more dub-infused if you tried. I absolutely adore the Ruts and Babylon's Burning. And In fact, their first album is so heavily dub, it's marvellous. And I love reggae. And the Selector, of course, is a, um, is a Scar band. Yeah, that played with the specials and so on. Brilliant. Okay. Um, I, it's it's a, they're a difficult band to categorise, and I and I don't think we should categorise them. People say they're like the Susie and the Banshees, but without the thrilling amoral imagination. I think that's a really weird um, way to put it. Jazz plays a lot of synth on a lot of his albums so he's got a keyboard driven he also he's also written for uh for the prague symphony he's a very gifted musician side note i was in a bar in uh the, in fact the same bar that we, i took my now wife to the first time we went on a date or went that day uh which is the now i'm going to get this wrong which was the queen anne on Notting Hill, on, on uh, in uh, Lambrook Grove, uh, on um, where the market is, right, and Portobello Road, and uh, I was there in my Killing Joke leather jacket with a, and just minding my own business. Um, I'll, I'll, you can see the picture in my, in the little thumbnail, uh, and this guy comes up to be quite Arabic looking guy because Jazz Coleman is of Arabic descent and um, he goes oh it's my nephew's band I haven't seen one of those jackets in years I'm like oh oh yeah brilliant band and he said oh do you want to come and meet Jazz he's sleeping on my floor at the moment because he's over here because um, sort of towards the end of the 80s um, Jazz and Geordie thought that the um, end of the world was coming and so they they went over to I live in Iceland because they thought that's where bit where civilization should be, and he was over back in London, um, recording. And he said, oh, "Come meet me." And of course, I didn't. I chickened out. I, you know, I was a twenty-year-old. I was, you know, now looking back, I'd go, "Yeah, I'll come along. I'll be there." But then I was young, and there was weird people around. It was London. You didn't talk to strangers. And I just bought the guy a drink and told him how much I loved his music, his, his, his nephew's music, and I went on my way. Um, this mirrored itself in 2008 when I was asked to go to a to meet the band at an after drinks party, and again didn't go because I was staying at a mate's house, and my mate was I didn't want to wake him up. He had young children. What an idiot! Anyway, that's the past. We all live in the past. So, several albums have come out. So they've released Killing Joke, which is their eponymous album, which Metallica have covered, you know, The Weight On, and, um, you know, then the second album, What's This For? Uh, you know, the first album is a picture of kids climbing over a, a, a graffitied wall, I think it's maybe the Berlin Wall. What's This For? has got a, a traumatic image of um, 
it, it was produced by Nick Lowney, who previously produced Public Image. Um, it, it, it was quite. It had singles off the album like "Follow the Leaders." It was quite uh, controversial because it had the uh, images of um, a German Albert, Albert or Alban. I'm going to say this wrong, guys. Poor Germans. Schalhelter walking through rows of Nazi brown shirts, offering Hitler salutes appearing to return the salute. It was later used for the cover of the band's compilation album, I Nearly Bought One. I recommend trying that if you're new to the band. And then came Revelations, which was recorded in 1982 in Germany. Um, it was more like a craft work sound. Um, it kept it to, like, to 20 in the UK, peaked at 12. Members of the band, especially Coleman, had become immersed in the occult, particularly in the works of Alistair Crowley. And in February of that year, Coleman with Walker, uh, following shortly after, moved to Iceland, as I mentioned, because they thought of the apocalypse. Um, it was not far after that that uh, Paul Raven joined the band once um, uh, youth decided to have a sabbatical and leave them. But that will come. We'll come to that on the B side. I've come to the A finish of this side here. I've got to get have a cup of tea, um, and uh, probably. Dunk my biscuits. Uh, that's not a euphemism, guys. I'm generally going to dunk my biscuits. And I think today I'm going to have a rather boring and fantastically mundane um, rich tea. Anyway, see you on the B side, guys. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. We're talking about Killing Joke, 
uh, one of the most influential and important bands in the history of modern music. Um, band that you may not have ever heard of, or even considered of, or thought they were just some kind of punk band, or they were... They invented basically the industrial metal sound. Um, no killing joke, no ministry. So ministry fans out there, that's the truth. Uh, and other, obviously, Nine Inch Nails and, and, and so on. Metallica as well, um, to be fair, um, heavily influenced by them. Um, as I said before, so poor, so youth leaves the band and in comes Paul Raven. Uh, now, Paul Raven himself, a very interesting mercurial character that I not cannot find a lot on about, really, to be fair. Quite a heavy, tough nut. Um, very powerful bass player. In fact, he um, plays bass on one of my favourite versions of the band song Psych. Um, and I'm going to ask you guys this, when you can. Either pause this, pause this, or go and listen to it. Listen for Psych. Um, it's off. It's on Ha, and it's off also What's This For. Um, the chorus. Uh, uh, Nazi with a social degree. Middle class hero with your eyes on me. I won't go any further because it, it, it's not very radio friendly. But Paul Ferguson's version of that when he spits it out live is second to none. It's actually my favourite Killing Joke song. Anyway, so he's with the band for a few years. Records a few albums. He sadly, unfortunately, um, passes away uh, in 2000. Hang on, sorry. No, I did. Um, no, 2008 is when he died. Um, he just fell asleep in his chair and didn't wake up. Bit less like the same way, um, some way a lot of action musicians go at the moment. But anyway. Sad to say, he released a few albums with the band. Um, he was more of a, a, a live presence than a recording artist, to be honest. He sort of started with uh, Fire Dances, and it had a single Let's All Go to the Fire Dances. Um, now, that was uh, followed by the arrival of producer Chris Kimsey, who produced Marillion's Fugazi album. Uh, he once did say that they were the craziest band he'd ever produced. Um, he also also he'd worked with Rolling Stone and Led Zeppelin, and they're crazy people. So let's face it, that's big um, accolades. Um, he then went on to um, release uh, an album called Nighttime, and uh, that had singles '80s off of it, which is the classic. It's the one that um, it's the one that that Killing Joke was suing Nirvana for just before he took before um, the sad demise of Kurt Cobain um, and of course once he died lawsuit was dropped whether they would have won who knows um, but 80s got into the charts at number 21 in the 16 in the UK number 5 in Europe which is quite big in Europe um, and it's the most radio-friendly of the albums. Now, I might have skipped a few albums here and hit there. Sorry, guys. I'm not going to go full album by album. Just sort of uh, bits and pieces. The ones I like and ones I, I sort of think are more important. Um, they then followed the album with Brighter Than a Thousand Suns. Also produced by Kimsey. Uh, it was... It's like the weakest album of the catalogue. It's overproduced. 
It's thin. Um, they've released the singles of it, Sanity and Adorations. I actually really like Adorations. I've got a three, seven inch book release of that. They released three singles in one little fold out. It was really cool. Um, it just didn't quite make the top 40 in the UK. Number 70, the singles got to. Um, it was restored in 2008 with a much more favorable mix. So listen for the 2008 mix. If you really want to do it, listen to the, the original print of it, then listen to the 80s. The 2008 print um, released just before Raven died, I think, or maybe just after as a, as a sort of tribute. Uh, it wasn't... It's just a bit... The band went from growling, infectious, dub-grooved, post-punk political um, um, how do I say it? what's the word I'm trying to the word I'm thinking of um, uh, paranormal psychological uh, nightmarish of music to this sort of vapid bland 80s pop synth stuff that was sort of you know if you like the damned if you remember how the damned did phantasmagoria that that sort of blandness that we would do they were doing in the eighties to try and be relevant. Um and so, you know, they sort of middled around with sort of recordings and then they made uh, Outside the Gate. Not an album I play and I've got all the Clean Jerk albums. It's not an album that I play I have played regularly. Uh it's a bit too synth again that was sort of rolling on from from brighter than a thousand suns it did very well and it but it, they didn't tour it at all in the support of the album particularly in the states it didn't even take it to america so um virgin dropped the band after two months of being on their label because of the just coleman and walker became embroiled in a lengthy legal battle to extricate themselves from the contract with eg which was the label that they had joined to do um, nighttime, and so it just got messy. Uh, there was a fantastic story, and I thought it was apocryphal, but it turns out to be quite real. Um, Coleman is a very interesting character. Once he's on stage, you cannot take your eyes off him. Um, he's truly mesmeric, and he's a very profound. He's very profound, and has a lot of profundity to him, and. A reviewer at NME said something, I think it might be NME, it could be sounds, said something rather aggressive and unkind about him. So he turned up at the the offices of NME on Wardorf Street and he talked his way in and they and got up to the office, the desk of the said reporter uh, and tipped a bag of maggots and, and old meat all over his desk. Now, I thought that was, a, I said, apocryphal. I watched a documentary about about the band only recently, and yes, the reviewer and Jazz both agreed that they did that. So, you know, when someone's got that much passion, you've got to admire it. Did he do the right thing? Probably not. But hey, you know. And then we come to the 1989-1991 um, towards the end of 88, Coleman and Walker revived the band 
Um, and again with uh, Martin Atkins on drum this time because Big Paul Ferguson's on the left. Atkins had played for Public Image Limited. He'd also played Marillion, but he had a drug issue and it didn't quite work out for both sets of bands. Um, uh, you know, it was more of a subtle bass sound. Again, it was it was sort of um, they? It wasn't. It wasn't played by Raven. It was played by former Smiths member Andy Rourke. Um, then dismissed after only three days because um, he just didn't fit in. And then they got Welsh bass player Dave Taffy Ball and played their first gigs in almost two years in 1988, touring across the UK and Europe. Um, and just touring their back catalogue. Um, for, for reasons that remain unclear, German sessions were shelved. They were recording in Germany and bass player Taff left the band. He was replaced by former member Paul Raven, who came back. Um, obviously he had gone. And they released Extremities, Dirt and Various Repressed Emotions. Typical Killing Goat like, title. It's an album that is so heavy and so industrial that you probably need to replace the needle once you've played it. You probably have to, you know, you probably can't pick the cassette up, it's that heavy. Um, they released a single of it called Money Is Not Our God. What a single. Now, here's a story. I'm standing at a train station. It's Tottenham Court Road, I think, and there was a load of us Killing Joke fans, and we're all singing on top of our voice the chorus to Money Is Not Our God. It was a spectacular moment. It was just one of those moments you will always relive. Um, you know, it was. It's. It. They look. Atkins and Walker and Raven went off to re release a band, uh, from band called Murder Inc. I'd hire, uh, with Chris Connolly recruiting Ferguson as drummer. Um, Try and get them and listen. They're on on Spotify. They're on Apple iTunes. I give them a go, just to understand where they went from there. It was a little bit more '90s sounding hard rock, but still really good. Okay, so 1994 onwards, um, youth comes back. As I said, I saw the original lineup in '94 at the Astoria, the greatest gig in the history of music, according to Kerrang. Um, and this is when they released the album Pandemonium. And this is when it becomes heavy metal, guys. Before, it's influencing heavy metal. Here, it's true metal, I think. It's, it's they've really grabbed, um, you know, because the original album had the singles War Dance and Requiem, which are, I sort of didn't talk about those, I sort of whizzed over them, but War Dance and Requiem are, look, war, they're the rallying cry of, of a new musical movement. That, didn't, that was basically only Killing Joke and a few other bands, but they were, it was, it's so rhythmic, so pounding, so heavy, so delicious. It's, it's, it, it's beautiful beyond words in some respects, that song, Killing Joke, and so is Requiem. In fact, my wife loves both of those songs, but then they released Pandemonium. So they have all these albums in between with all these sort of different sounds, and then they released Pandemonium. Uh, on Youth's Butterfly album. Now, Youth had gone and formed The Orb, so those of anyone who likes trance music will know The Orb. He came back and he was working on, and he released Pandemonium. Um, 
we and they used a drummer from uh, Coleman had earlier produced She Had's band, uh, a she band She Had, nineteen ninety three. So Tom Larkin from that band joined. He's a Kiwi. Um, it was due to dispute over Coleman's producer's fee. Pandemonium also featured. Um, so there was issues with the producer, but Pandemonium also produced um, had several musicians from Egypt on. Uh, and they were they recorded in the great in the in the tomb in one of the tombs in the Great Pyramid. Um, they had a percussionist, so I'm going to say this wrong, probably Hossam Ramsey, and vinylist Aboud Abdel Al, um, and Earn Killing Joke, a memorable Top of the Pops appearance for the first single Millennium, and that single again is infectious. You know, it is it has this infectious heavy rhythm that just won't go away. Um, it's it, it you know it 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 was the area that I came in, so I fell in love with the band then mainly because I saw them live. Then I was buying the albums. Then I had all the singles, clear vinyl, coloured vinyl, picture disc, cassette single, cassette CD single. You know, I name it. I had it. Um, they also produced uh, recorded a song for Hollywood Babylon for the show. Um, the song Hollywood Babylon for Showgirl soundtrack by Paul Verhoeven. That I didn't know to doing the research, which is interesting. Um, they had a follow-up album that came out of that, Democracy, which was released in 1996, um, produced by uh, Youth Again, um, had acoustic guitars on it. It was more explicitly political. The tracks were released in uh, singles in the UK and Top 40. Much much of the singles did really well. Pandemonium and Democracy featured session drummer Jeff Dungmore, who also played live with the band during this era. So I didn't see... Um, Big Paul Ferguson played drums in '94. That I obviously would have seen him. I would have seen. I said Nick Dungmore. I did see Big Paul Ferguson in Sydney. Um, uh, I think I did. May not have done. No, I didn't. It was a different drummer in Sydney. I apologise. Um, so I've never actually seen it with a full lineup with Big Paul Ferguson, which is a shame. Uh, when they come out this time again, I definitely will see them. Um, they went a big hiatus after Democracy for a couple of years. They wanted to make soundtracks for Czech filmmakers, and I said Coleman did his um, his uh, you know Prague symphony stuff. And when um, Raven died, they reformed, and they went on and they've released an album with Dave Grohl on drums. So those who love the Foo Fighters will love um, their their second eponymous album that came out in two thousand and two. Uh, they had some really big singles off it. Um, loose Cannon, Seeing Red. I mean, Loose Cannon is a brilliant live track. You know, I'm a loose cannon, I'm a loose cannon. Whoa. It's a, just a really great live. And, of course, you had uh, Coleman, Walker and Youth. Um, Raven is also on the list of musicians on the line notes because he had written some of the stuff just before he died. And then, um, again, it wasn't Big Paul Ferguson on this album, I don't believe. It was um, Andy Gill. Oh, Andy Gill produced it. Sorry, it was people focusing. Andy Gill produced it. I apologise. Uh, it was. It wasn't Andy. See what I'm saying? You know, it's late. Dave Grohl was on drums. Okay, and he's an immensely good drummer. I don't rate him particularly. Don't like Foo Fighters. Don't do it for me. Um, but I do love his drumming. And they come and toured in 2003 and 2004 um, with Prog's drummer. Prongs drummer Ted Parsons, that's who I saw them with. 
Okay, um, and they've consequently left, released a load of live DVDs. Um, they released an album called um, Hosanna in the Basement of Hell, recorded in Hell Studios. Um, and it is a little bit impenetrable for me. Um, loved the artwork, felt it was a little bit... Because Coleman has this ability with his vocals, very much like a lot of older vocals, Sometimes it's clear and audible, and sometimes it's impenetrable. And I don't mind impenetrable vocals, but when his lyric is, he doesn't use rhyming couplets. He doesn't rhyme the second line with another line. He's is it's just staccato story, and you get what you get. And sometimes his vocal can be impenetrable. And I found that with Hosanna. I don't really play it a lot, but it is a really good album. Um, and it's a good album for band people that that want to, um, you know, that want to uh, see them at their sort of darkest. I think. They're, they're, I think this is when they're at their darkest. They've subsequently released released a few albums afterwards. You get Pylon released in two thousand and fifteen, which is you know a big gap. Um, it, but it's uh, from 2003 to 2015. But it's oh sorry, not Pylon. You had um, M. Uh, you had um, MMX two two one one or um, 2022. I think that 2012. Sorry, apologise. My God, it's late. Uh, which released some really interesting numbers. Um, Firmacamp, Rapture, um, In Sin Theory, which was a single. Primobile, uh, corporate elect, um, a lot of a lot of religi- uh, political based sounds on that one. Uh, again, I have that on vinyl, love it. And then they released probably their heaviest album of the later area, Pylon. Um, I've got that in two versions now. I've got a green vinyl triple album, and I've got this one, the original release. But there was a song on it, um, "I'm the Virus." War of Freedom, uh, Euphoria. Oh God, just I used to when I'm running and I put that on. It's amazing. Autonomous Zone. I've got a triple vinyl of that in yellow, and it's it is it's a really great album. Um, I, I, there's another one which I eludes me slightly. Sorry, guys. Um, again, it's late, um, and it's left my head. Uh, the name of the album. Give me a second. See, I knew. See, uh, 2010's Absolute Descent. Uh, it's uh, quite a religious cover with a cross and then sort of Wi Fi um, pylons on it. Uh, it was recorded in Prague on the Spinny Farm label. It was the biggest, it was the first Killing Joke album to be released in America on vinyl. Interestingly enough, you think it wouldn't be. Regional lineup. Um, uh, it has uh, tracks on it. Say, "Absolute Descent," "Great Coal," "Fresh Fever from the Skies," "In Excelsior." Great live album song. If you want a real hark back to their their um, their dub days in your European super state, there is the Raven King. So it released just after Raven died. I think it's a tribute to Raven. Is it's very heartwell, it's beautiful. And again, back to their dub days, came as an EP from this album, Ghosts of Labbrook Grove. It really, really, 
bites into their early years and it's a real nice it's a really nice album um and I, i'm sorry i forgot it and the reason i forget it was i wrote it down and it's on a different piece of paper anyway that's killing joke in a nutshell okay um i'm gonna just quickly finish by saying that geordie um kevin walker um uses a gibson uh, a gibson es295 hollow body for guitar nerds out there um and it, that's how he gets his sound no solos just arrhythmic atonal music um it's a beautiful guitar uses a, a wraparound trapeze bridge as i mentioned before so when you push down on the bridge you get that that vibration across the six strings um he got, uses a berman pro 2000 head to put into from his, his into his cabinet i used to have a berman uh orbital pro 2 um head and i blew that up on stage uh yes rock and roll rock and roll it was because my brother decided to put uh, transistors in to try and so i wouldn't have to keep buying valves and that particular night we overloaded it with a black sabbath cover i think and took the head out um, he uses a he has an interesting effects board he has a cascade preamp with three gains on it he uses an ADT um, delay with a micro delay uh, and he uses electro harmonics deluxe memory max which is like uh, like a harmony two-tone sound um, that's for you guitar nerds it is I have to say that because it is one of the greatest guitarists ever play to ever play so if you get to listen to him and wonder what i'm talking about that's the sign of sound he's getting anyway that was my potted history of killing joke um if i keep you run down of my favorite albums it's going to be killing joke the first album it's going to be nighttime uh what's this for um uh the uh killing joke second self-titled album i mean this is just off the top of my head quickly and I'd probably say Hosanna in... No, no, uh, I'd say Absolute... What did I say? Oh, my God. So I'm so tired. Go Absolute Descent. Anyway, that's me for this week. It's a bit longer. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please go and get your ears around some Killing Joke and let me know what you think of it, um, which, which album you listen to. But I'd probably start with the first one first. And uh, be careful because you might want to dance. It is a they are danceable music. You need a space to listen to it. Um, that's me for my, my tea's going cold. I've got to go downstairs now. But make another one, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.